Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by one of the men of Moses Lake. We hope that the sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. John chapter 11. As I said uh, earlier, for those of you who are new here to Moses Lake Baptist, uh, come back next week and meet our pastor, but also come to hear him preach. Um, I'm thankful for the uh, opportunities that uh, we get to preach, uh, the rest of us as staff, uh, when pastor's gone, but definitely love hearing our pastor preach, and so come back to hear him uh, next week. I, I know it'll be a blessing to you, and I, I'd encourage you to do that. So John chapter 11, and uh, we'll begin reading in uh, verse 1, and uh, let's, uh, let's stand, if you are willing and able, would you stand with me for just a moment as we read God's Word, John chapter 11, and we're going to read the first five verses to begin with. John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, unto Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. I I love just that portion of it, thinking of the sisters and uh, telling the messenger to go to Jesus and saying, tell him Lazarus is no message. And then uh, on the one you love is sick. Remind him how much he loves Lazarus as they send this message. And then on to verse four, it says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, pray, and then we'll jump right into the message for today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. Uh, Lord, to look into your word and to be able to hear from you. We thank you that your, your word is living, it's active, and Lord, it has something for each and every one of us today if we're listening. And so, God, we pray that you'd help us to have attentive hearts and minds uh, so that we can hear from you. And, Lord, we pray that you would uh, just speak through me and uh, give us exactly what we need uh, for uh, this week, Lord, for today to live for you. And uh, we love you. We thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Spoiler alert, Lazarus dies and is raised again. Right there in the verse 4, he says, uh, it's not unto death, uh, and we'll see what that means in just a minute, but uh, th- this is just one of my favorite uh, stories from the Bible. I'd ask you this just to start out. Uh, have you ever heard of a call and response? A call and response? Maybe you have, you just don't know it's called that. Uh, a call and response is usually a song or it's some lyrics uh, where a line is said or sung that warrants for another party uh, to say the next line in response. For example, knock, knock. Okay, so that's a call and response, all right? Another one would be Red Robin. All right, so you guys know that one. One of the, uh, so that's a call and response, okay? One of the kids that the kids love is a song where you go, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And then the rest yells, praise you the Lord. Yeah, so you guys are getting it, okay? Call and response. That's what that is. Well, have you ever tried doing one of those and no one responded? 
Oh, I have. <laughs> uh, I, I've randomly, just for fun, gone Red Robin, and no one says Yum. It's disappointing. Why? Because it's disappointing when you uh, don't get a response to something. Have you ever texted someone and you didn't get a response? They left you on Red? Uh, some of you are like, what does that left on Red mean? Well, on the iPhone, if you text someone else that has an iPhone and their phone sends read receipts, uh, then it will show you right under the text that you sent them what time they read that text. And Facebook Messenger does the same thing. And you know what's so frustrating? When it tells you they read it, but they didn't respond. You got left on red. I'll be completely honest. I've been on the guilty party of leaving someone on red before. Uh, and I, I've also been someone who has been left on red. Right, Rebecca? No, I'm just kidding. I, my wife's like, no, never. I, I never not respond to my husband's texts. I'm just teasing with her. <laughs> But uh, many of us have done it, but we don't really like when it's done to us. This week, uh, I had an experience where I just didn't get a response. How many of you know Disney Plus released this week? How many of you know that? How many of you spent all week watching Disney Plus? A few of you, all right. So I know for me, I watched a lot of Disney Plus this week since it released, and so I had to, to kind of make myself feel better, spend some extra time in Bible reading and studying for today's message, just to kind of balance it out, you know? But... Um, but this week, when I set up my account, I set up my account and accidentally put in the wrong email. Okay, so I, my email, uh, the last part of it has 1124, because uh, 11 is my favorite number and 24 is my wife's favorite number. And I accidentally put in 1114. And so I started to try to figure out how I was going to change it because they just set up my account and took my credit card information and everything was ready for me to stream, uh, but I wasn't getting, any, getting anything from them because I had the wrong email. So all week I'm trying to get a hold of them. I, I call and uh, I was put on hold for almost three hours. We went over to the Fountain Senior's house. <laughs> And I had the, my headphone in. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm on hold with Disney Plus. And I ended up just hanging up. No response. I, had, I tried to email them, but of course, they have my wrong email, so no response. And uh, they got, got left on red on the live chat uh, on their website trying to figure out. Just no response. We don't like it when that happens to us, right? Well, I bring that up because that's kind of what I see taking place here at the beginning of our story. Two sisters call for Jesus, and it seems that he has not responded, at least not the way they thought he would. In fact, uh, there, are, there are several responses uh, that take place in our passage today, and I want us to take a look at each of them as we go through the story. So let's begin by, first of all, looking at the response of the Savior. Let's look at the response of the Savior, and we'll start in verse 6. Verse 6, it says, When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place, where he was. Now, that, what's, what's interesting about that verse is the word therefore. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard the saying, when you see a therefore, you've got to see what it's there for. And uh, so the word therefore, it means because of. And this statement is directly following verse 5. So uh, where John tells us, uh, and he took the time to say that Jesus loved Martha. He loved Mary. He loved Lazarus. So verse 7, when it uses that word, therefore, is saying, because Jesus loved them, he stayed where he was. It, it doesn't tell us he had other things to do. It doesn't tell us that he was detained for two more days. It, it says he stayed because he loved them. He loved them, so he didn't come. For two days, he did not come. And he responded the way he did 
it tells us, because of his love. But I want us to also notice he responded that way so that God would receive glory. In verse 4, he says, it says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Uh, thereby. Jesus awaited where he was for two days because of his love and so that God would be glorified. Uh, but he also responded this way so that people would believe. And I want us to notice that as we continue our story, verse 7 says, Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Now to give some context to this conversation between Jesus and his disciples, about four months prior to this, uh, at the Feast of Dedication, which is a holiday we would know as Hanukkah, uh, so in the month of December, about four months before this, Jesus was at the temple and he very plainly uh, teaches that he is the Son of God and that he is very God. He very plainly says that, and you can go read that account in John chapter 10 and verse 22 through 42, I believe it is, uh, if you want to look back and see that. But he very plainly says, I and the Father are one. I am God. I am the Son of God. And because of him claiming this deity, the Pharisees started to pick up stones to kill him uh, right there for what they considered to be blasphemy. So Jesus had to escape the area uh, to an area called Perea. Uh, where he is when he receives this message that Lazarus is sick. So he's in the area of Perea, uh, at least a day or or two's journey from Bethany, where Lazarus is sick, when he receives this message. So when Jesus says uh, that he has to go, they have to go to Judea, uh, his disciples, uh, uh, their first thought was, uh, but wait, they tried to kill you there. They were ready to kill you there, and why would we go back there? And then Jesus answers them, verse 9 and 10. He says, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Well, that clears things up. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking when I read that. Wait, what? Uh, Are we going to Judea or not? Uh, Jesus was simply saying here uh, that uh, he would not die before his appointed time. That's really what he's getting at, Uh, which, by the way, is just a few short weeks after this event in the life of Christ. Uh, He's going to die just a few short weeks after uh, this this event of raising Lazarus. Uh, But Jesus continues on with his disciples. Verse 11, he says, These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Then, my life verse here, said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. I used to love that verse. If he sleep, he do well. I made it as my life verse in college. Like, I need sleep. I'm doing well, right? Uh, but the disciples, they, they weren't getting it. They're like, Jesus, if he's sick, uh, he's getting some rest, then he's going to get better, right? They, they just weren't getting it. And so verse 13 and 14, Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Sometimes you just got to say it plainly, right? You ever been around one of those people, they just kind of skirt around what they're really trying to say, and you're like, just say what you want to say. The disciples, they weren't getting it, and Jesus just had to say what he was trying to say, and he said, look, Lazarus, he's dead. And then uh, here's where I see that third reason for why Jesus responded the way he did. Verse 15, he says, and I'm glad for, for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. You see, there, 
There was something about his character that they would not have seen if he showed up at the sickbed. Uh, he, he had to show up at the tomb so that they could see what they needed to see. Uh, he was going to show them something they had never seen or experienced before. And then I love Thomas's response in verse 16. It says, Then Thomas, which is called Didymus, said unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> I mean, I, you got to admire the guy's loyalty, but where's his faith? You know, well, well let's just all go and die in Judea. Uh, and when Jesus gets to Bethany in verse 17, it tells us that he finds out Lazarus has been dead now four days. And to those in this story, uh, that's where they thought the story ended. Jesus responded by not coming, and Lazarus had been dead for four days. But Jesus had responded this way because we see he loved them, because God would receive glory this way, and because people would believe. Uh, you see, the Jews, they, they believed that within the first three days of death, that the Spirit was hovering above the body and, and could return to a man. Uh, but after, after that, day four, it was for sure over. And so Jesus waited until after their time period expired to show forth his glory. Uh, could I say this? Maybe God's waiting past the point of your expectation to show his glory. Uh, you may be here and you, you've been asking God to do something for a while now, and it seems like he just isn't answering. In fact, for some of you, the situation seems like it's too late. He waited too long, and now there's no hope. He's responded this way, can I say this, because he loves you. He knows that God will get glory because of how he's chosen to respond. And he desires to see people saved because of your situation. Just as we see in our passage today, he didn't come because he loved them. He, he waited two days because God would receive glory. And he knew that because of this seemingly delayed response, that people would come to know him as their Messiah, as their Savior. The response of the Savior. Then notice secondly with me, the response of the sisters. We got the response of the Savior, but look at the response of the sisters. Verse 18. Now, Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. It's just short of two miles. In fact, if you were to visit Jerusalem, which I'm telling you this so you might come to Israel next year, if you visit Jerusalem and you go over the Mount of Olives, it's not too long until you end up in Bethany. They're very close. And so uh, John's just adding some of this information to help us understand there's a lot of people here. And he says, not very far off Jerusalem, many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary, to comfort them concerning their brother. And really, that's, that's all that people can do. They can, they can kind of comfort you. They, can't, they couldn't bring uh, Lazarus' sickness. They couldn't make it go away. They couldn't bring him to life like Jesus is about to do. All, these, all people can really do is comfort you. And so that's what they're here to do. And uh, John's giving us this, again, to just uh, get a little glimpse of the fact that this miracle is going to happen in front of a good amount of people. Uh, but we see the response of the sisters, first of all, with Martha, verse 20. It says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Mar or Martha, the, the more active of the two sisters, she didn't waste any time. She, she goes and she meets Jesus at the edge of town. And then she speaks, verse 21. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Notice there, she calls him Lord. I love this. You're still my Lord. She still sees him as Lord. Uh, you didn't do what I wanted you to do, but that didn't change my understanding of who you are. <laughs> Lord, if you would have been here, Lazarus dying would not have happened. Have you ever been there before? 
Lord, if you would have been there, Lord, if you would have shown up, Lord, if, if they wouldn't have abused me, if they wouldn't have said that, Lord, if you would have stopped it, Lord, Lord if you would have prevented it, if, if you can do all things, uh, why didn't you do what I needed you to do, what I've seen you do for other people? Have you ever been there? She says, Lord, if this wouldn't have happened, if uh, this wouldn't have happened if you were here. But then I love this next verse because she proclaims his faith and her, her faith in his power. She says, Lord, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened. But I know, verse 22, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Even now. You didn't work the way that I wanted you to, but I believe that even though you didn't, whatever you ask God to do, he will do it. I still believe that you can work. Jesus says in verse 23, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus, he's speaking of the miracle that he's about to do. Your brother's going to rise. Lazarus is going to be alive again. And she thought that he was talking about the resurrection in the last day. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're not getting it. Verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He's saying, you keep trying to prove my presence by what I do. Uh, Lord, if you, if you were here, you could have done something. You keep trying to prove my presence by what I do, but I want you to see who I am. That's what he's saying. Uh, you, you think that, uh, that my presence is based upon what I do in your life, but, but I need you to see who I am. I, I didn't do what you wanted me to do because I needed you to see who I am. He says, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? He poses a question to her. Do you believe this? And she responds, yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She says, I believe you are the Messiah. I believe. Now, there were two statements that Jesus said before asking if she believed. The first one was that your brother will rise. The second one was the statement that said, I am the resurrection. And she said, I believe that you are who you say you are. I don't even know what you're going to do, but I, I know who you are. It, it would have been nice if you had, but even though you didn't, you are. Even though I wish, you still are. Even though I hope, uh, you still are. Even though Lazarus died, you are. Even though it happened this way, even now, I believe you are. That's what she's, she proclaims. She confessed faith in him, even in the absence of the miracle that she had requested of him. She, she showed faith in him even when the miracle she had asked did not take place. Uh, we need to stop trying to prove God's presence by what he does, and we need to trust in who he is and confess faith in, in who he is even in the absence of what we might have wanted him to do. Just having faith in who he is. And then we see Martha, she goes and she gets her sister. Verse 28, and when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, the master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha came unto him. You know, just a side note, Jesus will only come as far as we allow him. Uh, last time they let him into his house, but not this time. Uh, they, he, he's not going to force himself into your life, uh, it, just a thought. But continuing, he says, The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth into the grave to weep there. 
Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Mary's told that Jesus is here, and she runs out to meet him. Those that were in the house uh, thought that she was going out to the tomb to weep for Lazarus there, maybe just a, a change of location. She was tired of the house, and they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. And when she gets to Jesus, uh, she says the same thing that Martha had said, although she, she doesn't follow it up with a statement of faith like Mark, Martha. But do you know what I find interesting about Mary? It tells us this, she fell at his feet. She fell at his feet. Mary, this sister of Martha, is found three times in the gospel account. And each time she is at the feet of Jesus, each and every time. In Luke 10, she sat at his feet and listened to his word. Here in John chapter 11, she fell at his feet and poured out her sorrow. And in the next chapter, John 12, she came to his feet to give him her praise and worship by breaking the box of ointment and anointing Jesus. You know, it's good for us as the children of God to just come to the feet of Jesus. <laughs> Whether it's uh, uh, to hear from him in his word, to bow and worship him, or even if it's to come and voice our burdens and our sorrows to him like Mary did here. Uh, we need to come to the feet of Jesus. The Bible tells us, I, I love, here Mary just doesn't really have much to say other than, I don't, I don't know what to say other than you didn't do what I thought you were going to do. You know, sometimes the best prayer you can pray is just an honest prayer. Just, Lord, I, I thought you were going to do it this way. And I don't really know what to say right now. Sometimes the best prayer is just an honest prayer. Uh, but we, I love this because she's just taken her burdens to the Lord. And the Bible tells us that we need to cast our burdens onto the Lord because he cares for us. Because of his love, he wants us to cast our burdens upon him. I think about the old hymn that says, uh, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Sometimes we just need to get to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I don't know what to say, but here are my burdens. And I just think, love that here, here we see Mary at the feet of Jesus. She didn't have much to say, most likely because of how overcome she was with sorrow. And so she began to weep, it tells us. And then it tells us that her friends here joined in the weeping as, as Jewish people uh, in their tradition, they were accustomed to do. Part of the Jewish tradition uh, when someone died was to aid in crying and lamenting over the deceased. Um, if a family member began to cry, those who were there to aid in that would do it too. Uh, not always sincerely even. Sometimes they were just there to help the family feel as though they were not alone in uh, in this trial, they were just there. People were paid in this tradition to cry, just to be there. And anytime the family started crying, they just see a tear. They're like, I know, I know what you're saying, man. And they just like, all of a sudden, they just had to cry with them. They were just there. It's just part of tradition to, uh, to help them feel like they weren't in this trial alone. Other people were there to help feel their pain. And here again, we see the love of our Savior in this moment tells us that he was troubled and groaned in his spirit when he saw their sorrow. And in verse 35, uh, in the shortest verse in the Bible, if you're looking at memorizing some scripture, here's an easy one to start with, all right? Verse 35, Jesus wept. It tells us that Jesus wept with them. Jesus hurts when you hurt. He knows how you feel in the midst of your sorrow. Love in Hebrews where the writer of Hebrews says, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's felt our pain. So whenever you have a sorrow or burden, don't ever think that Jesus does not know how it feels. He does. 
And he wants you to bring it to him because he loves you. So we see the response of the Savior. We see the response of the sisters here. And then it brings us lastly here to the response of the spectators. Verse 36 through 46, the, the Jews, tells us in verse 36, they saw Jesus weeping. And they said, wow, he, he really loved Lazarus. And then others, they said, couldn't this guy that gave sight to the blind also make it where Lazarus wouldn't have died? Man, that just reminds me of this. Almost every time God is about to do something miraculous, the devil tries to create doubt and disbelief. Uh, don't let Satan do that. Do not let Satan do that to you. Well, Jesus, he comes to the grave with Mary, Martha, the disciples, and many other people, and he asks them to do something that he could have done himself. I mean, he was about to raise this man from the dead, and he couldn't move the stone. Well, not, not that he couldn't, but he didn't. Uh, it just shows us again, Jesus will only come as far as we let him. It, he, he wasn't going to burst open the stone. He, he wanted them to open it up and to let him in. Again, God isn't going to force himself into your life. He wants you to open yourself up. And when we do, he will gladly come into our life to help. So he asks them to move the stone. And uh, Martha's response, oh, no, don't do that. He's going to smell. says, Lord, he stinketh. Uh, not, I mean, it had been four days, and not to uh, get graphic or anything, but Lazarus' body would have already started to decompose. Like, I, I'm thinking, I, I have an imagination, I'm thinking like maggots already making their way to the eye sockets kind of decompose, okay? Like, it's been four days, he's going to smell. Whatever the case, Martha understood this body would be in a gross condition. <laughs> and in verse 40, Jesus reminds Martha after she says this, Reminds Martha of his message that he had sent to her a few days earlier through the messenger, that this situation was to see the glory of God. So she believed what he had promised, and they moved the stone. One man said it this way, uh, talking, about Mary, or talking about Martha's faith in this moment, said, true faith relies on God's promises and thereby releases God's power. True faith relies on God's promises and thereby releases God's power. Martha trusted and they move this stone, and they end up seeing something miraculous. Verse uh, 41 and 42, it shows us that Jesus prays. It says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Here we again see the purpose of Jesus responding the way he did, that those who saw this take place might believe on him. And then he yells, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And then verse 44, he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. Do you all read the Bible with an imagination? Do you? I do. Uh, sometimes the Bible explains something in a vague enough way that my mind runs with it and, uh, and on how it might have looked. But John doesn't uh, give us too much leeway there because he gives us a pretty good description. He tells us very vividly that Lazarus came out still bound in his grave clothes. He came out like a mummy. That's what he's saying. Uh, he, he, think about this. He would have he come out. Uh, it would have been you know, a miracle in the sense where he just kind of walks out. Uh, and no grave clothes. But I, I believe the grave clothes were still on there just to kind of remove even a little bit of doubt that people, oh, he was hiding in there for four days. 
No, he was in grave clothes, okay? He stank when he came out. And so I picture it, uh, it says bound hand and foot. Now, I don't know if it was like real mummy, like where they bound him like this, or if he was just bound kind of to him. But he wasn't just like walking out and, hey, everyone, how's it going? No, he, he, you got to picture it, how it would have happened. He was having to hop or, or like hobble or like sidestep or something to come out, you know? It would have been quite a sight to see this mummy come out of a tomb after he had been dead for four days. I, I think of it like this, uh, again, with my imagination. I don't know if these all things took place. This is, again, my imagination. But I, I picture someone doing the whole, like, Frankenstein's monster thing. He's alive, you know? And then I, and then I see a kid maybe screaming, ah! And then I, I, I even getting kind of more serious note, I see some of them, they were weeping, okay? So some of them probably still had some tears in their eyes and Whatever was coming out looked a little bit foggy. <laughs> Wait, what, what, what am I seeing? They had to wipe away the tears, and then they see this mummy, this uh, Lazarus coming out, loosed in his grave clothes. Jesus, he had done the absolute miraculous, something that no one there thought he was going to do. Lazarus came out of the grave and was alive again. And, and I know you all are thinking, wow, how could anyone see this and not be amazed? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because now we get to see the response of the spectators. Verse 45 and 46 says, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. And I'm thinking as I read that, well, duh, how could you not? (laughs) But notice the next verse. But some of them went their ways. Some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. This baffles me. Instead of believing on Jesus after what he had just done, they think, oh no, this is bad. Maybe some of these people, they were there at the Feast of Dedication four months earlier when he said, I am God. I am the Son of God. And now they're thinking, oh no, people are going to actually start believing that he's the Son of God. They're going to actually start believing that he is God because of what he just did. We better go tell the Pharisees. We got to go do something about this. And it tells us that instead of believing Some went their own way. And they went to the Pharisees, and from this point on, the Pharisees, they sought out how they were going to put Jesus to death. In fact, if you read the next chapter, they looked at putting Lazarus to death because of the fact that he was alive and was testifying of the power of Jesus. Wow. I I, I look at this, and I just see a story chocked full with different responses. We see the response of the Savior, the response of the sisters. We see the response of the spectators. So many responses, which to me begs the question this, what will your response be? Well, what will my response be to what, Micah? Well, think about what our, our story today. What will your response be when God doesn't work the way you think he should? What's your response when God asks you to do something? Uh, I think of when he asked them to move the stone. <laughs> are, are we going to make excuses or are we going to follow through with what he's asked us? How will you respond to God when you see him work in someone else's life. When you see him work, how are you going to respond? Uh, I think of even this, maybe you're here and you've never responded to God's call for forgiveness. Uh, You don't know that if you died today where you would spend eternity. Maybe the response you need to make this morning is to come forward and accept Jesus' free gift of salvation. You can know that you're on your way to heaven. Today's story uh, I love with uh, Lazarus. It's a beautiful picture of what takes place in the life of someone who trusts Jesus as their Savior. Before knowing Christ, the Bible tells us we are dead in our sins. 
as dead as Lazarus, dead in our sins. All of us have sinned. In fact, the Bible tells us that because of our sin, we are eternally separated from God. But he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to make the payment for our sin. And all we have to do to accept that gift is to believe on him and to confess with our mouth. If you have not, never done that today, I, I challenge you to respond in that way today. In just a moment, we'll have what's called an invitation, and you can come forward, and we'll pair you up with someone to show you from God's word how you can make that decision today. But for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, how are you responding to his working in your life? Uh, are you trusting him? Are you clinging to who he is despite of what it seems like he's doing? Are you at his feet? How are you responding to his work today? Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that this sermon was an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. If you have any questions about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.